Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. To those of you who are season one listeners, welcome back. And to those of you who are new to my podcast, welcome to season two of the Pregnancy Wellness Podcast hosted by me, Pip. I'm a practicing midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness, especially when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. Do you find yourself with lots of pregnancy questions unanswered? Do you feel that extra midwifery support would be useful to you? Do you fully understand how to enhance your pregnancy wellness? You are in good hands. This podcast is for you. Alongside this, I have also been busy creating a 12-month pregnancy journey support group and course to provide you with a whole package of expert wellness and pregnancy information to guide you every step of the way, leaving no stone unturned from trimester one right through to trimester four. And I'm now enrolling expectant mums in their first trimester. Spaces will be limited, so if you think this sounds like you, get in touch through my social media or at midwifepip.com. Over the upcoming 15 episodes, I'm excited to be chatting with expert guests and real women on this season to bring you honest, evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy wellness journey. I hope these episodes leave you feeling positive and empowered. And don't forget, for more support and birth preparation, to check out my website, midwifepip.com, for your free birth preference plan download. I hope that you are sat comfortably and ready for the midwife chats and knowledge bombs to commence. Maintaining or even achieving a healthy, glowy complexion seems to be a never-ending mission. From dry to oily, breakouts to pigmentation, our skin complaints are extensive and the range of products on the market are an absolute minefield. After all, our skin is the biggest organ on our body and it's always on show, so it's no surprise we want it to be as healthy as our insides. Our skin can be affected by so many different factors, from genetics to environmental and nutritional influences. 
And like many women out there, I'm always on the search for the best way to hide my sleep deprivation sins and reduce the signs of aging. So I'm very excited to be joined on this week's episode by registered nutritionist and skin health expert, Erica Rodriguez, to debunk some of the common skin myths and to help us boost our skin health. Erica is a London-based registered nutritionist specialising in skin health and creates highly personalised nutrition and lifestyle plans for her clients, addressing their skin concerns through an integrative, holistic approach. Having spent 16 years working in the fashion and beauty industry and experiencing her own struggles with acne, with an ever-growing passion for science and wellness, Erica has found her calling and studied biomedicine and nutritional therapy for three years. She later founded Naturally Nourished and created an online wellness platform where she shares her evidence-based health and beauty articles and her delicious wholesome recipes, many of which aim to promote healthy and youthful skin. You can check these out on Erica's Instagram page at Naturally Nourished London. Over the years, Erica has gained extensive knowledge around the intricate relationship between nutrition and skin health and how we can make significant improvements to our skin by working from the inside out. Gut health and a balanced microbiome play a central role in maintaining healthy skin and the skin-gut connection is an area of particular interest, Erica. Erica's also a regular contributor to online health and beauty publications. So with all of that going on, Erica, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast today and share your expertise with us all. Oh, thank you for having me on. No, I'm so excited to pick your brains, Erica, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so what led you, Erica, to specialising in skin health? Because as a registered nutritionist, I guess there's a whole heap of kind of specialist areas you could have gone into, but what attracted you to skin? Well, in my early 20s, I developed acne. Um, and at the time, there didn't seem to be that much information on holistic ways of addressing it. So my first port of call was to go and see my GP. And then, of course, I was put on various rounds of medication. So, you know, contraceptive pill, antiandrogens, lots of antibiotics. Um, and even though the medication was very effective in clearing up the acne, I just realized, am I going to be taking this medication for the rest of my life you know I, I almost had to go cold turkey and come off it and find a more holistic and sustainable way of um you know getting rid of the acne so and something that was more conducive to a healthier lifestyle as well mm -hmm. so I decided to go and see a nutritionist myself and we did some diagnostic testing and we um discovered that I had a major imbalance of microflora um, which is also known as dysbiosis. So I had some gut um, issues and also some hormonal imbalances. So just spent a lot of time tweaking my diet and paying particular attention to my gut health, um, you know, getting lots of good probiotics in and, and eventually sort of balancing out my hormones through diet and herbs as well. 
And um, yeah, and that's where my passion grew, I guess, just from my own personal experiences. And um, it continues to grow. Yeah. Always learning something new from my clients. That's the thing, I guess, isn't it? Because everybody's skin is so unique to whatever else is going on in our bodies. And I think we sometimes forget that that direct link between what's happening on the inside is so reflected on what we see on the outside. Um, and I'm sure we'll go on to talk a bit more about kind of what the hormonal influences, hormonal influences, especially when it comes to pregnancy um, and the kind of gut effects on our skin as well, because like you say, they're ma major, major contributors. I wonder as well, when we think of skin, I think we quite often hear the term, or certainly I have when I've done my Google searches as to how to get rid of my spots and, and like, lines around my eyes and things we hear these terms like healthy skin and unhealthy skin but is it that simple Erica is there such thing as kind of one or the other and that's it well yes and no um because the skin's always in a constant state of flux and balance anyway um so we can have good skin days and bad skin days like we do with our hair as well um so there are a number of things that we can do to keep our skin healthy and that's not just about what we apply on our skin. It's also about the food we eat, um, minimizing stress, uh, getting adequate sleep, all of those kind of lifestyle factors to consider, which will contribute to healthy skin. Um, skin is often a mirror of what's going on inside. So if you're starting to see inflammation and acne breakouts, it's, it's often an indicator that there's something not quite in balance um, within the body. So really looking at the bodily systems that are under stress, like the liver, for example, you might have a sluggish liver and that will start to show in the skin. Um, and then gut health as well. And all of those things will, you know, contribute to that overall um, healthy skin appearance, which would be the smooth texture, um, even tone, well hydrated, that kind of thing. Brilliant. And actually, when you talk about that, that kind of balance, I guess, especially as women, we're probably really vulnerable to things going out of balance because of how our hormonal state just throughout the course of a normal month is fluctuating so, so wildly. And does when it comes to hormones, Erica, especially when we think about kind of menstruation and pregnancy or even post birth, the postpartum hormones, what kind of impact can we expect that to have on our skin? Because I'm sure I've seen so many women and speak for them in that they find that sometimes their skin looks like it did when they were a spotty teenager, perhaps, and other times it looks incredible and like it's the best it's ever been. And we see everything in between as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the endocrine system is a complex beast. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really um, about fine tuning it. But, you know, that can be like finding a needle in a haystack, really knowing exactly what area to work on first. Um, in pregnancy, you do see a lot of skin changes. Um, you know, you've got the hyperpigmentation in, especially in the third trimester. And this is due to um, the melanocyte stimulating hormone, which will stimulate the melanocytes to um, make more melanin, which is the pigment that's responsible for skin color. Um, so the estrogen is doing this effectively and it's just kind of ramping up that production of melanin. And that's when you start to see that pregnancy mask that a lot of people yeah. report, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the time that makes sense now. I've never really known what causes it other than 
pregnancy does odd things to us. <laughs> yeah, you almost just you almost just kind of look in the mirror and everything's changing every day and it's like, okay, I accept it, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's quite it's quite helpful to know the mechanisms and what's actually going on in the body. Um, and you know, there are ways that you can kind of um, you know reduce the pigmentation, obviously SPF for, for sure. You know, if you're if you're pregnant during the summer months, then I would avoid staying out of the sun if you're experiencing this pigmentation. Um, and you know, and then you get that line, don't you, from your your pubic bone to your belly button, and that's the yeah. same thing. That's the hyperpigmentated pigmented um, patch. So, and that will that will often fade after pregnancy anyway. Um, and then, and then, yeah, and then. What other things happen to your skin during pregnancy? Well, then you get stretch marks as well. Lots yeah, of stretch marks. Really common. And something I think as soon as women find out they're pregnant, it's like, how do I stop stretch marks? That's like yeah. the question, isn't it? I feel yeah. like, how do I stop myself getting stretch marks? It's preventative, isn't it? So, you know, slathering on all that vitamin E oil, which yeah. can work as well, but also, you know, supporting um the skin structure through collagen and you know making sure you get enough protein in the diet and mm -hmm. antioxidants and berries because the these antioxidants will actually stop the breakdown of collagen so you're actually just keeping that structure supported so that can be right. quite helpful for that so even um, when it comes to stretch marks our nutrition can support us in that as well that's amazing yeah it's just supporting the skin structure and keeping it well toned um, and then what else? The pregnancy glow. So it's not all bad. So the pregnancy glow, because um, during pregnancy, you get that, um, that influx of, you get the, the, the blood volume and uh, blood flow. So what this will do is just kind of push all the blood to the skin. And then you're going to get that delivery of all those good nutrients and oxygen to the skin cells, which are normally normally the last organ that actually receives the nutrients because it's not seen as a vital organ. So it's always at the back of the queue. <laughs> so that's why pregnant women report this beautiful glow. Um, so that's the good part of it. So once they've got through that acne, especially it tends to hit in that first trimester, doesn't it? And then hopefully the glow follows to kind of balance it out. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's different for everyone, isn't it? People mm. report different different um skin manifestations during pregnancy so some people are super lucky and some people they get that pregnancy ac acne so definitely our genetics have got a lot to answer for as well haven't they i think there's some things that we can really try and help but sometimes our genetics just overwhelm it all and they play a massive yeah they do they play a massive part in it and other lifestyle factors as well like stress and sleep yeah, yeah, definitely. Really important ones. You mentioned just Erica about um, SPF and kind of summer pregnancies and trying to stay out of direct sunlight and things. Should we be wearing uh, SPF like every day? So I read on some articles, can't promise that they're evidence-based Erica, so forgive me, <laughs> um, but that actually we should be trying to include an SPF in our daily skin routine regardless of kind of sun exposure. So even in the winter perhaps? Yeah, I'm a massive advocate for SPF every day. Um, it's only something I've recently been doing, maybe in the last three or four years. Um, but yeah, even in the winter months, you're still getting those harmful UV rays coming through. So just wear a broad spectrum SPF maybe of 30. And um, it's preventative measures as well. So and, and then also it's, it's never too late. So, you know, you can start whenever. It's really kind of underscores 
many, many treatment modalities for things like hyperpigmentation. So I think if we can prevent that damage um, alongside, you know, minimizing it and actually reducing it, then it's just a, a double whammy. So yeah. work it's easy. Preventation is always better, isn't it? If, if we can get this, uh, kind of a step ahead of the game, I suppose. Absolutely. And it's something that you can easily work into your skincare routine. So you could buy an SPF uh, tinted moisturizer, for example. So it works as a, you know, you've got that base, like a foundation. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite is one by Madara. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's like um, a BB cream. It's really dewy and lovely. SPF oh, nice. There. I'll, um, you have to send me the link to that one, Erica. I've been using one by Origins. Oh, it's yes. It's got yeah. like, um, like a gingery extract. And it, I just love the smell of it more than anything. If I'm honest, it's the smell that sold it to me. Origins um, do smell good. Yeah. They do smell really good. So I've, I've been wearing that one probably for about a year now. And again, it's got that SPF in. It gives you, I'm not a big makeup wearer anyway. So it just gives you that little bit of covering without kind of feeling like you're wearing a face of makeup um but i agree it's such an easy way of getting it in because if it was an extra product i think i'd probably not worry but when yeah. it's something that's already in it it just makes it so much easier exactly and you know the uv rays they are definitely what's causing premature aging mostly but we're kind of we're almost unaware of it in the winter months you're not thinking that it's going to be causing damage but it is even sitting at the window and having the sunlight coming through so that's something to wow that's really good to know because actually we want to be getting ourselves in in the outdoors and in the sunlight but like you say we don't want those harmful rays so that's a great way of getting that that good balance getting the fresh air on our skin but not damaging it protecting the skin yeah definitely definitely Erica, tell me, why do some of us suffer with like dry skin or like eczema prone skin? And then others of us have this kind of oily skin or, and, and some, something in between. I've heard, I hear about combination skin types. Now I have no idea what that means. It's just on any makeup product that you buy, it's like oily skin, dry skin or combination skin. <laughs> what do they mean? <laughs> okay, so, well, first of all, combination skin is... Simply put, it's just a combined skin type. So you might have an oily T-zone and then drier patches or just drier skin on the cheeks. So you just treat it as two skin types, essentially. So you might use um, products that are specifically for combination skin, or you could put sort of a more hydrating, nourishing cream on the areas that are a bit drier. But this can change as well. You're not necessarily always going to have combination skin. Um, genetics play a huge role in, you know, if your skin's dry or oily. So, for example, if your mum and dad had oily skin, then you might have inherited that gene. And that would actually mean that you have larger sebaceous glands. So they're going to be producing more oil naturally. And then with dry skin, there's often a genetic mutation mm -hmm. on um, a gene or filigrin, which is a protein and it protects the skin barrier. So if there's a deficiency or an absence of this protein, then the skin barrier will start to break down. So in more cases than, than not, in, with eczema, the filigrin gene um, mutation is, is quite present. Okay. And that is one of the underlying causes of eczema. So oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, there really is so much science behind our types of skin, isn't it? 
Absolutely. You need to dig deep sometimes and get that blueprint to see what's going on. Yeah, um, and I guess it's probably easy for us to judge ourselves as having one type or the other. Um, and actually, we could quite easily get that wrong, I suppose, and, and treat ourselves with the wrong type of product. So I guess that's where seeking help from someone like yourself who knows what they're looking at is quite handy. <laughs> Absolutely. And also it changes, doesn't it? It changes. So you might be experiencing dry skin in the winter months and then oily skin if you're stressed. When you're stressed, you release cortisol and that will um, produce more sebum production. So all, all of these things to consider. And I guess pregnancy is a whole other curveball because we might have had one type of skin pre-pregnancy and then in pregnancy it could change. And I guess even change week by week is your hormone. Oh, yeah. Oh, it can completely change your skin. When I had acne, my mum always said to me, you need to get pregnant. That, that will sort it out. <laughs> I, <love it. laughs> I know. I was like, that's not, that's not quite the route I was going down, but <laughs> at the time. Not sustainable either, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Just for good skin, you know. <laughs> I love it. And how disappointing if you didn't get the glow. I know. <laughs> Great <laughs> advice, mother. <laughs> I love that. Brilliant. <laughs> So we've talked a little bit about um, wearing SPF and kind of sun, sun damage potentially. What other kind of environmental factors can have an impact on our skin? I know personally, Erica, when I do night shifts, I'm a little bit more dehydrated. I'm very, very sleep deprived and my skin looks just dull and um, kind of pale and a bit older. Um, and I'm guessing they're probably some of the common environmental factors. Are, are there any others that you see quite commonly? Well, yeah, I mean, our skin really does take a bit of a beating from environmental toxins um, and all the pollution and UV radiation. Um, and then this will accelerate premature aging. Um, and it's what's known as um, extrinsic aging. So okay. it's just those, in, um, it's environmentally influenced. So um, something to, to be mindful of here is getting antioxidant rich foods in your diet because these pollutants will cause free radical damage and that will damage our tissues and our cells. So the more antioxidants we get, we have that reserve to start fighting these free radicals. So that's something to bear in mind. And I always say, eat the rainbow and make sure you're getting all different colored fruit and vegetables because you know you're getting a wide variety of different phytonutrients. So that's a really simple thing, a simple takeaway, just get as many colors in and don't count calories, count colors. That's, yeah, I love that's what that. I always say. <laughs> and the rainbow is a really great family friendly one as well. I know um, I've heard of some of my parent friends recently having like rainbow magnets on their fridge and their children get points for how many colours of the rainbow they get in a day. So you can really make it quite fun as well. And I love that idea. Brilliant. It's, that's yeah. really fighting, isn't it? Very kid-friendly, that, that one. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's brilliant. So these antioxidant-rich foods, are these predominantly those rainbow-coloured foods? So we're thinking about kind of mainly fruits and vegetables. Yeah, so yeah, like berries and your carrots and mango and... Um, lots of leafy green vegetables, um, you know, your purple foods as well. So even like something like aubergine, you've got loads and loads of antioxidants in the skin called anthocyanins. Um, so they kind of hide out in the not so obvious places. 
um, purple potatoes, that kind of thing. But yeah, just different colored foods, mostly fruit and vegetables. Um, and yeah. Amazing. So it's a good, it's a good excuse to get experimenting, isn't it? With, uh, with yeah. all Yeah. Oh, it is. It really is. And then another thing I'll say here is we are exposed more to um, chemical agents through things like um, the cosmetics we use on our skin and also um, non-organic non-organic food which is heavily sprayed with pesticides so these will disrupt the endocrine system so that can actually leave your your hormones kind of out of whack so Mm. that's a good point actually and that's something we probably don't really think about because it is so widespread in our everyday life like we're using products that have got more artificial things in our food's got more artificial stuff in and I wonder Erica this is might be throwing on the spot a little bit but when it comes to like added sweeteners and artificial sweeteners so we have all of our like sugar-free products in pretty much all ranges now don't we squashes Mm -hmm. jellies you know everything are there do you think there's any links between that and our skin health I'm just thinking of like the the additives and things in foods Yes, absolutely. Because the body doesn't recognize these sweeteners because they're, they're artificial, they're chemicals. So I would always steer clear of sweeteners. They can be very inflammatory. I would always opt to go for a, a natural sugar or just, just you know, a regular sugar, like yeah. a brown sugar. Even, even, a, even a white sugar is better than these chemical sweeteners. Um, they can have really long-term effects even on your brain health as well. So, um, yeah, they definitely do. I'm always fascinated if there'll be some evidence later down the line to show the effects of this sudden surge in, like, artificial sweeteners. Yeah, I mean, there already is lots and lots of um, evidence on um, aspartame, which is a sweetener that's kind of hidden in lots and lots of different foods, um, and the link between that and... um, cognitive decline something like alzheimer's so it's quite scary there's a lot of literature out there already on that so wow i'll have to look into that so the kind of message is have the natural sugar but obviously just watch the amount you're having yeah because essentially natural sugar whatever sugar you're having whether it comes from maple syrup or it's white just normal white sugar um it breaks down into the same molecule which is glucose so um it's just i guess in moderation yeah. I mean, Wait, don't deprive yourself. Syrup. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, talking about maple syrup definitely takes me back to pancake day and, and there wasn't much moderation if I'm being honest. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's pancake day. That moderation goes out the window. <laughs> yeah. So true. So true. And how about things like stress and sleep on our skin? What impact can that have? I know there's probably lots of sleep deprived parents or pregnancy insomnia mums listening they're thinking that's them (laughs) yes um it has a massive impact actually um I think we underestimate the importance of sleep in the context of skin health um when we are sleeping we are so our skin is actually governed the attributes of our skin is actually governed by the circadian rhythm which is the sleep wake cycle So it's governed by this internal master body clock and our skin um, is in communication with this clock. So while we're sleeping, we're doing, we're repairing the skin cells and we are 
we're releasing melatonin, which is a very, very potent antioxidant, which is going to be wonderful for skin health. It's more potent than vitamin C and vitamin E. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, while we're sleeping, it's doing all the work. So if we can get into bed before 10 o'clock, ideally, um, and get your sort of seven or eight hours sleep, I know sometimes that's not possible. It really does have an impact on the skin because it will, um, when you, at nighttime, the skin is more permeable as well. So you're allowing any topical products you put onto your skin, say a good night cream, to penetrate into the deeper layers. Um, so your skin will change throughout the day and night. So it, um, That's yeah. amazing. It's, you can't, I've never thought that it would change that much just day to day. I kind of get like month to month with cycles and things, but that's incredible that literally, and I guess that's why perhaps the importance of having a skincare routine that mirrors daytime and nighttime to meet those needs, is that quite important? Absolutely, absolutely. That's why, you know, your night creams have those active ingredients that are going to get into the deeper layers. So, you know, the things like retinol, vitamin C, um, because the skin will become more permeable. So the barrier allows those ingredients to penetrate into the deeper layers, then you, and then they'll really start to sort of work their magic. And then in the day, you wanna be looking at things like SPF and anti-pollution and creams that have a high antioxidant content in there as well. So yeah, absolutely need to tailor your, your skincare routine to the um, evening and daytime. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's really helpful, Erica. Thank you. And when it comes to pollutants, I've got another question. I did yeah. warn you I was going to have lots of questions. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> like this chat. <laughs> when, when it comes to, I'm thinking particularly of mums that maybe commute into cities or spend time on the tubes or stuff in traffic. Does the kind of air pollution around us, does that impact on our skin as well? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So it works in the same way. So you're still going to be um, inhaling those toxins, mm -hmm. which are going to impact on the liver, you see. So if the liver becomes overworked and sluggish, then that's when your skin will start to pick up the slack because it's an organ of elimination. So you know, that's when you start to see breakouts and inflammation and redness of the skin. Um, so yeah, the, you know, we're constantly surrounded by, by toxins, especially living in central London. I mean, it's unavoidable, but we can do things to prevent it and protect and look after our liver as well. I think that's key here, really, just to yeah. make sure it clears out those toxins efficiently. Definitely. And that, again, it takes it back to that kind of working from the, the inside out, isn't it? What, what's going on inside is going to have that direct impact on what we see on our skin. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So Erica, talk to us about nutrition and our skin. We spoke about um, kind of antioxidants and that we all need to eat the rainbow if we want beautiful glowing skin. Um, but how, what other things can we do? How does it have an impact on our skin health? Oh, where do I start with this one? <laughs> oh, that section itself, isn't it? Let's summarise. <laughs> okay, all right. So if we break down 
the word nutrition, you've got your macronutrients, so your carbs, your protein, your fats, and then you've got micronutrients, which are your vitamins and minerals and your phytonutrients that I mentioned earlier. Um, and these are all carrying out different functions within the body. So you break it down into these little individual nutrients and they, they work in many, many ways. So for example, you know, they, they work to balance hormones, um, they help to detoxify the liver, they are cofactors and building blocks for the synthesis of new collagen. So vitamin C is very important in that case. Um, they can improve circulation. So then they're allowing that fast delivery of the nutrients through the bloodstream straight to the skin cells. Um, they can keep the skin barrier intact and healthy. So your fatty acids really work for this. So omega-3 and all your nuts and seeds. Um, amino acids, building, building blocks of protein help to support the skin structure. Also things like uh, there's a nutrient called lycopene and uh, also beta carotene, which are found in tomatoes and yellow and orange fruit and vegetables. And these work to protect your skin from UV damage. So they actually work as an internal sunscreen. So they're very, very good nutrients to get in during the summer months, just to give your skin a bit of extra protection. And then, like I said, the antioxidants that fight the free radical damage. So there's so many. And then um, the foods that we eat to feed our gut flora as well, because obviously the gut is very, very important when we're looking at skin health. So, and prebiotic foods like asparagus and banana and garlic and leek. So there's just so many, so many functions going on here with all these nutrients that um, contribute to keeping the skin really healthy. Amazing. And for anyone who has heard all of those wonderful fruits and veg and thinks, how on earth do I incorporate those into my diet on a daily basis? All you need to do literally is head over to Erica's Instagram page. It's linked in the bio um, of this episode for a huge amount of inspiration. Your food always looks incredible. I have massive meal envy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but really, a really easy way to do things as well. We're not talking about spending six hours slaving in the kitchen. It's, it's mm -hmm. about making it accessible and, and easy but really, really nutritious, which is amazing. Yeah, and also thinking about the therapeutic benefits of each dish as well. So while I'm cooking, I'm thinking, well, that's going to be good for that, and that's going to be good for that, and I'll chuck in a bit of turmeric, because turmeric's a wondrous spice. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, just um, having that in mind when you're cooking as well, just spiking your food with little bits of, um, you know, herbs. Herbs are packed with antioxidants, so I think we kind of have them as a bit of a, a sad little garnish sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. And actually, there's no excuse, is there? I, um, over the summer, was really good at growing loads and loads of herbs in the garden. And then when it's the winter, I'm not really about gardening because it's rainy and cold, so that doesn't happen. But instead, what I did was harvested them all and then chopped them up and froze them. So I've now got like this stash to last me the rest of the year, which has been brilliant. So I'm definitely going to do that again next year. I definitely recommend it to anyone as well because they're so easy to grow. That's Trust brilliant. Me, I can grow them anyone can. I, I love, I'm really a massive fan of freezing stuff. Yeah. Just to have it easy to hand just to, to grab when you need. Also um, chopping up things like garlic and ginger because that's always a faff, isn't it? It is. So you can do that and then freeze it and then it's just there ready for you amazing and some places now do like the squeezy tubes as well don't they so literally it's like mm -hmm. a puree version that you can squeeze in so there's no excuse we can all yeah. get them in <laughs> yeah I think you know if time is not on your side these are all things to consider to make it easier and more accessible to get those nutrients in 
Um, and you know, if you don't particularly enjoy cooking, if you have all those things ready to hand, then it kind of helps things along a little bit, doesn't it? Definitely, yeah, definitely. And like you say, linking it to the kind of benefits of it as well makes it just feel more relative and you're then a little bit more inclined to pop that bit of bit of herb or spice in rather than Oh yeah. So like a superhero, you know? Popeye knew what he was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. I love it. Now when it comes to our nutrition, Erica, do we need to be taking kind of supplements or vitamins for our skin health or should we be able to get it from a wholesome balanced diet? Um, it depends very much on the individual and their specific needs. Um, so for example, when I'm creating a protocol, I will look at their diet at the client's diet and I will do a full case history and I will see and establish where they need some extra support through supplementation. Um, most of the vitamins and minerals we can get through the food and I would always promote that first and foremost. Um, but if there are sort of specific vitamins, minerals, and even herbs um, that you might need in higher concentrations for, you know, a a certain uh, condition that you have, then I would, I would promote that, but I would always go for very good quality supplements. Um, You know, uh, we we can, it's very overwhelming as well, you know, we can be taking all of these supplements, and sometimes we don't need to, it's better really to if you can get tested to see if you have any insufficiency or deficiency in anything and then you know where you're at um so you know you can get some of these tests done through your gp and um you know obviously through uh, nutritional therapists as well you can do do some testing find out where you might need these supplements and then you can focus on those ones otherwise it gets a bit costly as well yeah you're so right there's there's a supplement for absolutely everything isn't there <laughs> so you could literally end up taking a pill for everything but essentially you might just wee out in your urine yes you literally just like flushed money down the toilet essentially yeah. you didn't need it it's not going to absorb it yeah um, and it can be really overwhelming and like you say really expensive and it's important that you get a good quality supplement if there is a supplement you are choosing to take because there's such a wide range of qualities on the market isn't there yeah ideally you're looking for supplements that don't contain fillers and binders um they're sort of a more purer version um and yeah and you know obviously my go-to supplements would be a probiotic for everyone you can't go wrong with a good probiotic And if you're not getting probiotic rich foods in your diet, then this is something that you can take. And also a very good quality omega-3 is another go-to. Yeah, omega-3 is always fascinating, Erica, because that's something where there has been loads and loads of research come out, hasn't there, recently? And over the last sort of few up to sort of probably about 10 years. And actually, it kind of suggests that probably none of us are really getting enough. Um, and so actually that might be an area that people that do have kind of a a proper consultation with someone like yourself and identify they're probably not getting enough that's probably a common go-to supplement I can imagine yeah not only are we not getting enough we're consuming more omega-6 which isn't bad it's also very much needed by the body but when the ratio of omega-6 to 3 is off it can be quite inflammatory and you have systemic inflammation in the body so that's why we really need to up our intake of omega-3. But it's, it's, you know, if you're not a massive oily fish fan, then it's harder to get the, the EPA and the DHA. Obviously, you can get it through plant-based 
um, food as well, like hemp and chia and walnuts. But yeah, it's, it's a tricky one to get in. So if you can get a good quality omega-3 supplement, I would definitely recommend that. Definitely. And in pregnancy, then you're actually, you're recommended to only have two portions of oily fish a week. So already from, from a person who was probably not quite getting enough, you've then reduced your opportunity to get enough. So again, that's where that, that supplementation might be quite helpful. So it's something to think about for sure. Yeah, it's definitely important in pregnancy for the um, developing fetus. Yeah. Yeah, it's got all their, all like their brain health and everything. It's really, really important. Yeah, well, it, est- it establishes um, how, how smart they're going to be. <laughs> they're all <laughs> We all have kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> now, I think probably a burning question on everyone's tongues, and if not, it's definitely on mine. Um, is what should a skincare routine typically look like, Erica? Tell us your wisdom. What should we be doing? <laughs> okay. So again, very much depends on the individual and their their different needs. Um, but I would say keep it relatively simple. Love so that. you know, that. <laughs> yeah, because again, it's like supplements. It's overwhelming. Um, and also you want to know what products are working and doing their job. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned before, go f- if you're going to um, invest, go for a good night cream. Okay. So really invest in a good night cream or a serum or something like a vitamin C or retinol, mm-hmm. because that's when the magic happens when you're sleeping. Okay. So, um, and a good day cream as well. And of course, SPF. So that's another area to to kind of focus on and then you know a good cleanser but then that might look different for everyone so you know you might have an oil cleanser which turns into a milky emulsion um you might want more of like a gel cleanser uh, more of a purifying cleanser um and also you can have different creams that target different problems like you might have a cream that is for brightening the skin whenever it says the word brightening it often has ingredients that work to break down uh, the melanin and the hyperpigmentation. So you might have licorice root extract in there um, Mm. or something like glycolic, for example. Um, But yeah, a night cream, a good cleanser, um, an SPF for sure. And um, one thing I don't often promote is eye cream, actually. Yeah, that would be the one that I would skip. I've definitely spent a fortune on eye creams over the years, Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) So why do you think that's one that we can miss out on? Um, I think that, um, you know, obviously it's a delicate area. And I think we can just, we can just leave that area be. We can just pop our our day cream, you know, tap that around um, just under the eye. And that will that will kind of serve its purpose as well. So, so it's still moisturising, but you don't necessarily need anything specific for that. Yeah, I don't think you need fancy, expensive eye creams. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's different for everyone. So that's good to know, though, because eye creams are often those ones that come in the pot that's like a fifth of the size of your day cream, but it costs like five times the amount. <laughs> so yeah. if that's something you can cut back on and invest in a better night cream or, or a better cleanser for your skin type, then that's a win, right? Yeah, absolutely. But then I think some people absolutely would not be without their eye cream. So <laughs> yeah, and you can get you can get some lovely sort of toning ones that are more soothing as opposed to a rich cream. You can get something that's a little bit more 
um, soothing and feels a bit fresher just to kind of freshen up the eyes. Make um, them look a little bit less tired and puffy. Yeah, yeah. Or you can just, you know, do the old school cucumber over the eyes. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I remember doing that as a teenager. I've never done it since. Same. And, and um, chamomile tea bags as well. Yeah. Stick some tea bags on your. They work wonders. Oh, and another thing I would recommend here is a good mask as well to use two to three times a week. Okay, um, and there is one that I absolutely love by a brand called Wamisa. And they okay. use lots of fermented ingredients in their products. So it's a sheet mask and it's just a, a sheet of pure sea kelp with all of these ingredients that have been wow. put on top of it. And it's really, it feels, I, it does what it says on the tin, basically. It's Amazing. That's what we like. Simple skincare. Where do exfoliators fit into all of this, Erica? Do we need them? Should we be using them often? Yeah, it's, yeah, especially if you have um, congested skin or an oily skin type, um, you could use an exfoliator as part of your cleanser. So you might have a cleanser that has certain acids in it, like lactic acid or um, salicylic acid, for example. Okay. And these will exfoliate the skin. Um, also things like papaya and pomegranate and pineapple, these work um, they're proteolytic enzymes, so they break down the proteins. So these also work as um, exfoliators as well. So yeah, I would definitely work that into your routine, but you don't have to use that every day, maybe three times a week. Um, so you also have your mechanical um, exfoliators as well. So that would be anything that has like a fine powder or, um, you know, like um, the microbeads, but not the microbeads because they're bad, but you know, you can get good replacements that, um, um, kind of pop and melt away and they're not the plastic microbeads because they are they're actually banned now and so they should be they're they're destroying our sea life yeah we don't want our skincare to be destroying our sea life that's that's not what we, we want to be happening actually. <laughs> all in all in the name of vanity <laughs> yeah yeah that's not a good message is it <laughs> so yeah exfoliators <laughs> definitely another good one to work in there yeah Amazing, thank you. Mm -hmm. So that I love that because that's really simple. You've named literally a few products that we can utilize and and make a good simple skincare regime, which is what it's all about, keeping it realistic. So just another little question to throw throw at you, Eric, if that's okay, is I wonder how contraception might impact our skin health because I'm sure I'm not the only woman who's experimented with different contraceptions and found my skin's gone from like really like acne breakout to glowing and looking great is that to do with the hormonal balances I'm guessing yes so you know when you when you go on the contraceptive contraceptive pill you're going to be experiencing just a surge of different hormones um so your body's kind of getting used to that and trying to regulate these new hormones um so you know you can either experience acne breakouts on the pill or it can clear your skin beautifully. For example, something like Dianet was wonderful for skin and clearing because it works as an anti-androgen as well. So it stops the testosterone production okay. um, and it can really, really clear the skin, but it's not recommended these days because it comes with some, um, some sort of serious side effects. Um, so that's kind of not the go-to anymore, but um, yeah, and also from, oral contraceptive use you can start to develop pigmentation as well so in the same way that 
I mentioned earlier with the pregnancy and the high estrogen stimulating the, the cells that produce melanin, it works in the same way. So when you take the pill, you can often see pigmentation across the lip, so the okay. upper lip. Um, so you will start to notice these, these skin changes um, and there'll be beneficial ones and there'll be not so beneficial ones. So it's just experimenting, I guess, isn't it? And finding what works for you. We're all so different, which makes it a minefield. And that's why someone like yourself who can make a specialist plan for someone is invaluable if that's something that you can invest in. Yeah. Um, because it enables you to get a really personalised programme. And there just isn't a one-size-fits-all, is there, when it comes to our skin, by the sounds of things? Absolutely not. We are just so biochemically unique, all of us. So it's it definitely has to be very tailored to that person but also with um being on the pill it, it depletes certain minerals and vitamins as well so it's really important to be aware of that so like magnesium for example vitamin c mm -hmm. a lot of the b vitamins um zinc selenium as well so um it would be helpful to kind of look at your levels of those vitamins and minerals whilst taking the pill and supplement yeah, well, that's really interesting because it's something that we just don't talk about, do we? You know, we spend half our life trying not to get pregnant and then half of it trying to get pregnant, but we don't think about everything else going on. And, and actually, it can have such a massive impact on our overall wellness, including our skin, of course. Yeah, it is. But then don't get overwhelmed by it all because it's... Yeah, <laughs> there is that. I mean, you do look sometimes on kind of... Um, skincare product websites and I do love looking looking at all different skincares and, and the ranges available but it is extensive isn't it it is a minefield and the prices as well fluctuate from next to nothing to like I need to remortgage my house to get a skincare routine in that product range it's there's so much variation it can be a challenge yeah, I would say with that, you know, avoid um don't get sucked in by the glossy advertising because the the price does not necessarily reflect the efficacy of the product. So that's right. something to be aware of. Um, and I think, you know, when you're looking for um, skincare, just um, narrow it down and find brands that align with your ethical values and sit, you know, within your preferred price point. Um, and once you narrow it down, because there are so many new uh, skincare brands emerging all the time. so it's overwhelming. So you might want to be going down the natural route or you might want something that bridges the gap between natural and synthetic because not all synthetic uh, ingredients are actually bad. So that's a good point. And actually it's really hard in the current COVID world, but certainly pre-COVID, it can be really nice to actually go and speak to someone and get some advice. And I've always found that people are really um, helpful and that they'll give you like little tester pots of different things to try out. So before you commit to buying the whole product, you can just try it for a couple of days and see how your skin responds. I've always found that really helpful. Absolutely. I think everyone needs to do that because you can waste so much money on products, especially if you're ordering online. It'd be really helpful to just be able to buy a little, little sachet sample and then you know if you like it rather than, yeah, a lot of money gets wasted. I think. Definitely. It's like we're, we're moving house. It's all about paint samples at the minute. It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? You wouldn't buy a pot of paint without testing the colour. But yeah, we do that with our like foundations and, and everything all the time. And yeah, because you used to be able to go into a shop and actually try it. But now it's, yeah. it's a little bit more restricted and limited. So yeah. 
Definitely, definitely. Oh, Erica, it's been so helpful picking your brains. And I'm hoping that if we take away anything from this, we're all going to wear SPF, at least today, <laughs> if not this month. <laughs> Everyone that comes on, Erica, I always ask three top tips. So I wonder if you could try to narrow it down to three, which is going to be difficult because I feel like there's so much passion when it comes to, to skin health and annual role. But if you could give us your three top tips to trying to improve our skin health. Right. Okay. Let's try and narrow no this pressure. down. Um, <laughs> okay. So let's make it easy takeaways for people. Right. So yeah. um, my top one, I know I've mentioned it before is sleep. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Yeah, sleep, um, because it has such an effect on our skin and our hormones as well. So, you know, if our hormones are out of whack, then it's going to show in our skin. So um, also stress, minimizing stress. Easier said than done, I know. But again, when cortisol is raised, it will just, it's the master hormone in the body. So it's going to just affect all the other hormones. Um, and I'm going to mention it again, because SPF. SPF for something topical. And then you said three, didn't you? But I'm now okay. in a cheeky fourth one. <laughs> okay, so diet-wise, um, look after your gut. So gut health, pay particular attention to gut health, um, getting probiotic-rich foods in, getting lots of fiber, high fiber foods, which are going to help with um, hormone clearance out of the body. And again, colorful colorful fruits and vegetables and that's pretty simple thing to remember eat the rainbow. <laughs> rainbow I love that it's such an easy one it's such a family friendly one as well I isn't it. it yeah so yeah they're my yeah. top tips I guess I mean there's they're, plenty there's lots but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're definitely all things that we can all easily incorporate and I will absolutely be taking those tips home so thank you so much for sharing Erica and thank you for using your time today and embracing lockdown home recording for, for us too. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> you take care. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you found it helpful, then please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference to the number of women we can reach out to and empower. For daily free information, inspiration, or details on our bespoke antenatal education courses, head over to my social medias at midwife underscore pip and my website, midwifepip.com. I would love to hear from expectant mums who have found this episode useful and wish to embrace further support on their wellness journey. Pop your details in the Your Pregnancy Journey tab on my website and I will be back in touch. Thank you and see you next time. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.